What's good, party people? This is According to Woods, and I have the honor and privilege to welcome back to the According to Woods show, uh, none other than the creator of the NWO, former president of WCW, WWE Hall of Famer, the one, the only, Easy e Eric Bischoff. Eric, what's going on? I'm just having a wonderful day. I, I, I have to admit, if I sound a little down, I've got a pretty serious head cold that's knocking the hell out of me. But before we go any further, I just want to point out, you have the coolest open of any show I've ever done. Where, where did that open come from? Who built that for you? Uh, I went around and messed around with the, uh, the interwebs during the pandemic, and I was like, we're going to find something cool, and that's what happened. So you did that yourself? Uh, uh, Fiverr. Fiverr was the Fiverr was the thing. If I'm gonna, I, oh, I should okay. give away. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah, but uh, thank you. No, my mom uh, always kind of envisioned like either TV or radio, and I was like, hey, that might be a that might be a cool thing. Well, it is cool. I'm impressed. Every time I, I see it, I'm impressed. I appreciate that uh, coming from you, an entertainment professional. Uh, which I mean, you're coming off of a, a huge mania weekend. Uh, what did you like most about the uh, the Mania presentation and uh, the WrestleCon? WrestleCon, it was no different than any other big convention I've done in terms of what I enjoy about it. I, I really enjoy, and I know this sounds so cliche and people are thinking, oh, that's just what guys like Eric say because they feel they need to say it. But I dig just meeting the fans, man. They have so much fun. I've been to a lot of these. I, I've been there, done that. But for me, it doesn't get old because the the joy and the excitement that not all, but many of the fans express is it just lifts you up. You just feel better about yourself, you know. And and you realize that I realize I should say that uh, even though I didn't appreciate it at the time, had a pretty positive impact on people. And now, 25, 30 years later, to hear fans share that joy is like, wow, okay. This was more than just a job. <laughs> um, it was more than just my ego. It was more than just, you know, that moment in the sun. It actually affected people's lives in a positive way, some people. And I love hearing those stories. It never gets old for me at all. I love it. No, and it, it still permeates today because we have the chat all live. Uh, the one, the only solo says, Yo, Woods, uh, good afternoon, everyone. Gene Husky. Mr. Bischoff, hello, and uh, hello for me as well. Um, so we're, we're live in the chat. But one thing I wanted to ask you, uh, obviously, within the last year or so, uh, we've seen, uh, since she's come back, the rise of Becky Lynch, the re-emergence of Becky Lynch. Um, and I wanted to know if you dug the storyline with her and Bianca and the hair deal. Um, there was kind of a mixed emotion. The match was amazing. I mean, obviously, both uh, both athletes, both ladies, I mean, put their all into it, sacrificed their bodies. You saw Bianca's eyes swollen up the next night. But what did you think about uh, the, the whole buildup with Becky and Bianca? I have to be honest. Um, it didn't. It didn't grab me. Now I am. I want to make clear, I am a massive Becky Lynch fan. I, I just think she's one of the best of her generation performers on television right now, male, female, doesn't matter. She's really, really good. And I I just love watching. I love listening to her. I love listening to her promos. Um, but the storyline, it was okay. It wasn't bad. I can't pick it apart. It just didn't it didn't grab a hold of me. It didn't captivate me. It didn't grab my attention. It was kind of hate being critical of a Becky Lynch match or a Bianca Blair match, but it was just there. No, I, I'm totally understood. And even the stakes kind of going into it for me, um, you know, the 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 storyline that played out that 
you know, Becky was teasing a, a cutting of Bianca's long locks, a braid or what have you that she oftentimes uses as a, as a weapon. But um, when Becky, when the tables returned and Becky essentially got her haircut, it was very minimal. Even my wife, who kind of has a casual kind of uh, relationship with pro wrestling, she was just like, that's barely anything. That's a trip. That's a trip. <clears throat> and, and that's what, I mean, look, I, I've, I've done a couple hair versus hair matches, and I've always come out on the losing end of those things and enjoyed every second of it. I thought it was a blast. Um, but, like, if you're going to do it, do it. Oh, I don't, don't, don't make that the stakes because it creates a certain anticipation. You know, the viewer at home and you're consciously or subconsciously, who knows? And then when they go out and they trim their hair, so the next day they can go to a stylist and get it kind of just touched up a little bit and look very fashionable um, and maybe even better than they did before the haircut. Uh, it kind of loses its, I don't know, just, yeah, it dilutes the idea for me. Agreed. Totally agreed. Totally agreed. Um, Alex Ramirez actually wants to know, uh, Mr. Bischoff, as a producer and vice president, uh, what are your thoughts on your buddy Tony Khan tweeting about the AE, the anti-AEW online community uh, aren't really real. They're WWE bots. Did you well, see Alex, that? Alex, uh, yes, I did see it. But before I comment, Alex... I was the president of WCW when I left, not the vice president. Does anybody refer to Ronald Reagan as the vice president? No, he was the president. Now, I was vice president for a minute, so I understand the confusion. I understand how you could possibly make that error. But I'd appreciate it in the future if you get your shit straight. There you go. No. I'm just kidding. I'm having fun. I'm trying to get myself in the mood here. I'm overcoming my the, the, the manifestation of this massive head cold I have. Yeah, like I couldn't have done this thing two hours ago. I, I was but I had so much brain fog. I had to take a nap. Woke up, had a couple cups of coffee. Now I'm having a Coors Light trying to get this shit straight. So let me answer the question. It's a good question. Man, I just I'm embarrassed. That's the best way to say it. I'm embarrassed for Tony. Um, I don't know whether what he said is true or not true. I'm. Who knows? Maybe he's right. He's got enough money to figure that shit out. So who knows? Let's assume he's right. Let's give him the benefit of the doubt. Don't sell it. Don't go on and whine about it, because guess what happens next? Once you sell it, people that wouldn't otherwise jump on and take a swing at you are going to jump on and take a swing at you, because you're selling it, and you're reacting, and that's what so many people, and it's a sad thing, it's not, it's not a good thing. But people, the nature of social media and, be able, and, and, and the liberty that people have of being able to take shots at you and poke fun at you and say stupid shit just to get a reaction from other people, that's such an inherent part of what makes social media such a fucking cesspool. So when you go out and sell something like that, let's say there are 12 people in a room making a couple bucks an hour doing whatever bots do. I don't even know how that shit works, to be honest with you. I'm just going to pretend I do. But let's just say what Tony asserted is true, and there's like 10 people doing it. Well, now you're going to have, I don't know how many followers you have, Tony. A couple hundred thousand, hundred thousand, two million. I don't know. I don't follow you. Well, I do follow you, but I don't, I don't know how many followers you have. You're going to encourage people just to jump on that negative social media bandwagon. Don't sell it. It's like a cardinal rule in wrestling. Don't sell things you don't want people to continue doing to you. The more you sell, the more they'll do it. It's wrestling 101, Tony. 
come on. There's got to be people around you that you trust that have been around a little longer than you have in the wrestling business. Talk to Chris Jericho. Come on. You're surrounded by some really smart people that have been there, done that and back three or four times. You know, get a little bit of guidance. You know, it's, it's okay. It's okay to reach out and talk to someone who's got a little more experience in some things than you do. Chris Jericho doesn't have all the experience that you have, Tony, in some things. But when it comes to using social media, you got to be a little bit careful because the shit can come back to bite you in the ass. Even if it's true, don't sell it. Come on. That's how I feel about that. No, 100%. Well, we're going to will you away from this head cold that you're currently experiencing and uh, challenging you to sell or not sell. Rocky Nelson wants to know, what do you hate more, Shawn Michaels' super kick or Dave Meltzer? It's not even close. It's not even close. I can tolerate a lame-ass comic book super kick. I cannot tolerate Dave Meltzer on his best day. Not even close. And by the way, I dig Shawn Michaels as a person. I'm only making fun of that super kick because as a former martial artist, I say former because that shit's old. Like It's not like riding a bike. I used to think it was. And it kind of wasn't up until my mid or late 50s. I could still do some shit if properly motivated or pissed off. Not so much anymore. But having spent a good chunk of my life trying to perfect a standing sidekick, which is in wrestling called a super kick. When I see one that is so technically corrupt, it's hard for me not to react to it. But that doesn't mean I don't respect the guy throwing it. And actually, I'm just having fun with it. So don't anybody take me seriously. Please don't take me too seriously. No, no, not at all. Not at all. Um, you know, one thing I want to, one of the things that was a highlight to, I think, both of our Mania weekends or Mania weeks uh, was the Super Show, right? This mm. tremendous panel that was had, uh, Conrad Thompson at the helm, uh, you had you, William Regal, or Stephen Regal, as you guys refer to him as, uh, Road Dog. It was a litany, a gaggle of stars. Uh, but Regal told a story, a, a particular Christmas party at DDP's house right and i don't want to give away the finish but i do know that uh kimberly page kind of greeted regal after the deal was done um i know it was one of your best christmas memories so what was your reaction when you walked away yeah how did i feel i'll give away the finish uh regal beat the piss out of van hammer head butted him bloodied him up set it home in his Dick Dancer spandex outfit that he came to a Christmas party in. Uh, I was like, fucking A, that cat deserved that. You know, I never, I, I'm not a big fan of violence necessarily. <laughs> Notice how I said necessarily, I got to give myself an out here and there. I mean, I'm, I, I dig watching the UFC. I, I love boxing, uh, always have. Spent a lot of time in the martial arts. So obviously, I love contact sports. In general, but I don't necessarily dig violence, and I I really don't dig anger and, and things that lead up to physical altercations that are not within the confines of a competitive environment. But every once in a while, somebody just deserves a good ass kicking, and that was Van Hammer that day. So I was happy or that night. So I was, you know, happy. I thought that was great. It added to the festive environment. Yeah, and uh, for you guys who haven't already seen it, uh, go over to Fight, F-I-T-E TV, the app, uh, where you can purchase this. Uh, If you got the pre-sale, you get a limited edition Jeff Hardy card, which uh, that five years from now might be a a nice little uh, token to send your kids to college, uh, maybe extra catnip if you got them. So go ahead and check it out. It is worth the price of admission. The stories that were told, the camaraderie that was shared, amazing. Absolutely amazing. Yeah, I love uh, doing those shows because you never know how they're going to turn out. Man. It's 
nobody goes in there with an agenda. Nobody goes in there with a script. Nobody goes in. We don't all huddle and go, okay, you're going to do this and I'm going to do this. And you're going to tell that story. And then you're going to laugh. And when you laugh, you're going to get pissed off. It is not that it is the most antithetical thing you can imagine to that. Um, We just go out there and have fun. And, you know, Conrad, you know, has the big drink stirrer. You know, he can stir it up a little bit. If he needs to liven it up a little bit, he knows how to do that. He's a great uh, he's a great host. He knows he can feel the audience and he knows when you gotta you know he knows when he needs a funny story. He knows when he needs something serious. He needs he knows when you need something revealing and he knows who to go to for those kinds of uh, stories or moments. So it's very, very much a uh, a freewheeling kind of non-formatted experience and the crowd has a lot to do with it too because a big part of the show generally is the Q&A and when you have a Q&A you, you don't know what those questions are going to be you know we're not like you know a president you know who's sitting there with a list of the questions that he knows he's going to get asked and calls on the people that he wants to call him because he has the answers to the questions pre-planned for him no it's not like that you know, you call on somebody and you're going to get a question that you may not want. You know, you may be disappointed to get that question. It may piss you the fuck off. That could happen. But you roll with it. And that's what makes the show fun. And I, I just dig that part of the show because you just never know what you're going to get. It's the well, wrestling version of a box of chocolates. I like the Forrest Gump reference. I, I, that's where I was hoping you were going with it. So... Tremendous. Um, keeping the ball rolling, Rocky Nelson wants to know. Uh, Come on. He he wants you to tell a road story, whether it be one of yours or something that you've seen. Um, do you have a fun road story, or even leading into uh, the Super Show? The I, you know you guys had an Airbnb. All right, wait, wait right here. I'm wait, wait right here. I'm going to be back in 15 seconds or less. All right. Okay. There you go. Uh oh, fifteen. The anticipation builds as Eric Bischoff, uh, I think, pulls a memento. All right, what do we have here? So, I don't have a lot of road stories. As I've said before, I was never on the road. I didn't travel three, four, five, six, seven nights a week as a part of the live tour. I was in an office at the CNN Center. I flew on a jet, most of the time a Learjet that picked me up at an airport right around a block from my house, and I flew to the event wherever it was, and then as soon as the event was over, um, half the time there was a jet waiting for me that flew me home, and I was home that night, sometimes at 2 in the morning, but I was home that night. Um, if I was staying over, I would do the show, go to the hotel, watch the replay, have a couple cocktails, party with the team, get up at 6 o'clock in the morning, and then fly home commercial. So I was not on the road. However, the very first Sturgis event we did was, I'm going to, obviously that was a road trip, right? Now, we were all on motorcycles, and we left uh, Minneapolis at the uh, Mall of America when the Mall, Mall of America was still kind of a big deal and a new thing. And we left Minneapolis and we drove all the way through Minnesota into South Dakota, all the way across South Dakota into Rapid City and on into Sturgis. It was about a 12-hour drive, maybe, a ride. can't remember. But we stopped along the way for a number of reasons. Some people had to use the restroom. Obviously, we needed gas. You can only get about 100 miles out of a tank of gas on a motorcycle, depending on what kind of a motorcycle you got. Some less, some a little more. So we would stop about every 75 miles and fill up. And, you know, when, you, when you're with a group of 20, 30 guys on motorcycles, and we had a caravan of people following us. You know, we had a chunk of the production team who didn't ride, but was following us in their vehicles. And some of them were filming as we went along and that kind of thing. Uh, so it was a kind of a big caravan of bike bikes and, and cars and trucks and motorhomes. I mean, you name it, we had it. 
and we'd stop along the way. And, and in the mornings, it was no big deal because you stop and everybody could use the restroom, fill the bikes up, you know, get a cup of coffee, boom, you're on to the next town. And we were all so excited because a lot of the guys, including me, had never been on a cross-country road trip like that on a motorcycle. I've been riding a motorcycle since I was 14 years old. But I'd never been with a group of guys traveling across the country. So, you know, the romanticism of all that and the adventure was really cool. The weather was awesome. It was just perfect. It was, it was a really, really magical experience. And then towards the end of the trip, now this is where you stop for gas, go to the bathroom, oh, and chug three or four beers, you know, or whatever. And, you know, grab a hamburger. Whatever. It started getting a little more loosely organized. Everybody was kind of doing their own things. Now, we had a road captain at the time, and a road captain's job is to make sure everybody knows where the fuck we're going, where we're pulling over for gas, you know, where the hotels are, you know, just keep everything organized. We had a good road captain. But, you know, towards the end of the trip, as we're getting closer to Rapid City, a group of people, hold on. This is going to be the first first time I've ever sneezed on camera, right here on your show, brother. Yes. Mark it. One for the ages. Clip that. It'll be an NFT someday. Yes. You think you're going to make money on Jeff Hardy's card? You're going to make money on my sneeze. All Max. right. So towards the end of the trip, I would say Sting, Scott Steiner, Diamond Dallas Page, Liz, uh, Medusa, Scott Steiner, Ray Trailer, all decided that rather than sticking with the group, once the group pulled out, they were going to hang back and grab another burger or one of those microwave burritos that they serve at the gas station, whatever the hell they did. They said, no, we'll catch up to you. We'll catch up to you. Mind you, we told them exactly the route we were going. We told them the exit that we were pulling off on going forward. So they knew how to find us. But they messed around, they messed around, they took off, and they got lost. They thought they knew where they were going. They thought they remembered the directions, but they got lost. Their thumbs were up their collective asses because they didn't stick with the group. And if you don't believe me, here is the photo that they took making fun of themselves for getting lost, and they called it the Thumbs Up Our Ass Tour. There you go. I love it. I love it. I mean, paired with the uh, the Buff Bagwell, Judah Bagwell story at the Super Show, um, it, it fits. It totally fits. Um, so there's that. Now, you mentioned, and this is a nice little segue to the next question, but um, there's been a lot of tough guys, right, through wrestling history. And uh, a lot of them were employed during your tenure of WCW, right? We were talking the Harley races, the Mings, the Steiners, and what have you. Not so much ranking them, but, I mean, does anybody really stand out in terms of, like, the toughest guy in professional wrestling, as told by you? I mean, not, not to me, because I never saw any of that. I mean, I heard the Ming stories. You know, Scott Steiner, Rick Steiner, both, you know, former high-level high amateur wrestlers, tough as shit, strong and, and half crazy, at least Scott was. Rick was more sane. So, you know, guys like that, you know, are dangerous. Um, you don't have to have seen them in action to figure that, that out. That's obvious. But, um, and there were others, you know. You mentioned uh, Mr. Regal. You know, he may not be outwardly, you know, the imposing figure and not carry around the reputation and all that, that some of the aforementioned names did, but you knew guys like Steve Regal could go. Sorry, William, Steven, that's why I call him Mr. It's kind of like Hulk Hogan. He calls every brother, everybody brother. Cause he can never remember their name. True story. He'd be doing interviews with people and he'd be doing interviews all day long. And he wanted everybody to make them. He wanted to make everybody feel like they were, you know, he knew who they were. So Instead of getting the name wrong, he started calling him brother. And before you knew it, he's calling everybody brother. He calls me brother, not his brother. And I don't think he's forgotten my name, but it's just become a part of what he does. Anyway, there's a lot of guys like that that were badasses. Um, but I I never thought of that first when I talked to them. I mean, they, they, didn't, they didn't act that way. 
They didn't try to convince anybody of that, that they were badasses. They didn't bully people. They were all professionals. Ming was one of the sweetest, gentlest, easygoing people that I worked with in the environment that I was in. I wouldn't have gone up and offended him because that would have changed everything. But who would do that anyway? So I never, I, I can't rank him at all or even suggest who was more imposing intimidating because they were professionals and gentlemen when I was around them. I like it. I totally like it. Uh, but we kind of both mentioned uh, the Steiner brothers and uh, Scott Steiner in particular. Uh, the Steiners inducted to the WWE Hall of Fame long long overdue, uh, but they gave Scotty a live mic. What did you? Not only did they give him a live mic, he did like eighty percent of the talk, and I love the joke. You know, it's, it's like evidently they were supposed to have five minutes for their uh, their their speech. Um, I was given three last year, but you know they say, look, try to get in a three, but if it goes four or five, whatever. You know, it's not like you got to hit a hard time. They just would like range, and they probably tell you three, hoping you're going to hit five. Way it usually works, and when there's two guys up there, they're going to tell you three, hoping you're going to hit seven or eight. But anyway, they're up there, and Scott's going, and, and Scott did a great job, by the way. I, I was that was the part that I liked the most is that we heard from Scott. You know, Scott said a lot of negative things about WWE and, and the Hall of Fame in particular, and he, he crapped all over it a bunch of times, made fun of it. You know, basically said, "Who'd ever want to go into that thing? It doesn't really exist." except for in Vince McMahon's mind. So he's very outspoken and negative towards the Hall of Fame, and which really surprised me that WWE decided to go ahead and go the other way and put him in. <clears throat> but it surprised me even more that they let Scott do all the talking. <clears throat> and it was through, after about, I don't know how long it was, it was longer than three minutes, but Scott finally got you know everything out that he wanted to say, and he was very emotional about it. And that's the part that made it so cool for me it's because, you know, you see the image of Scott Snyder, and he is a badass. He can be a tough person to do business with. He does have a short fuse. He is unique in that respect in a big way. Um, but he was very emotional, and it did mean something to him. It was important to him, despite everything that he said. <clears throat> and I understand that because until you're up there and in that moment and you're being, you know, surrounded by your peers, some of whom who have gone on, um, that are members of the Hall of Fame. But when you finally realize that, you know, all that silliness, all that crazy stuff I said and I've done, myself included, I felt the same way. You know, um, it was a little different for me because I wasn't outspoken against WWE or obviously the Hall of Fame. But there was a point in time when, you know, Vince McMahon and I weren't necessarily close. <laughs> and once you passed all of that and it's all in your rearview mirror and you, you're realizing to yourself, this is pretty fucking cool. I mean, I'm in the same Hall of Fame with some really amazing names and, and people that I grew up being a fan of. And then to be invited to that party, virtual or otherwise, uh, it's pretty special. And to see Scott finally realize that and see the real Scott Steiner, not the character Scott Steiner, or not the Scott Steiner backstage that, you know, carries himself in a certain way. That was a real Scott Steiner, and I dug it. I really dug it. And Rick, <coughs> Rick's always been a, a good friend. Same thing. And, and to see Rick up there knowing that his son is probably on the verge of becoming one of the next big superstars, top five superstars in WWE. It's my prediction within the next three years, maybe less. Um, wow. How could how could you not dig that? It was perfect. Um, I, that was something that I had wanted as a fan for so long. Uh, Vader as well. Um, so th those, are, those are amazing, amazing moments that I didn't think would happen at all. Which hey, I, I just realized something, brother. What happened? Who was inducted in the Hall of Fame this year? Let's see. We've got Shad Gaspard, the Warrior Ward. We had the Steiners, Vader, Charmel, 
and obviously Taker. Am I forgetting one? Four out of those five started in WCW. Yeah. Yeah. WWE stole them from WCW. <clears throat> All of the four, with the exception of Shad, yes, Park, <coughs> was the fifth, were original, were WCW originals. Oh, that is going to piss some people off. This year's Hall of Fame were WCW originals. How about that? And by the way, who gave Charmel her break in the business? That'd be me. Just saying. Did I did I get a thank you, Eric, during her speech? I didn't see her speech. I don't know. Charmel, you can send me an email. It's okay. <clears throat> but that's kind of cool when you think about that. No, 100%. 100%. That means, I mean, innovator, you know? And I... Uh, <laughs> Obviously, you. No, it means I'm full of shit. Is what no, that really means. But it's no, still fun. I, no, I, I, I think it was. Don't let the truth get in the way of a good story, and that just uh, shows your keen eye for talent. Even all those years. I mean, heck, if you want to go to Taker, Taker was a WCW guy too, as a sky Before skater. before he got into WWE, he was right. a WCW guy. So everybody but Chad Gaspard in this class in the 2022 Hall of Fame passed through were... WCW before they got to WWE. Every single one of them. Just saying. Just saying. No, 100%. That's why uh, Fred over here says, uh, uh, I'd like to see Vader's son in the WWE. He actually did have a spell. Um, I forgot his name, uh, but he did have a run in the in the uh, FCW territory. But he also says, for life, which WCW, NWO, whatever way you spin it, for life. That's it. And it, even into the hallowed halls of the WWE Hall of Fame. So I'm just saying, that's that's great. Uh, Eddie Torres says uh, he has to, uh, in terms of Braun Breaker, Breaker has oh, to. Oh, I agree. I hated that. I, yes. I hated that. And I understand it. You know, this is where <clears throat> I guess I can stay a little more sane than some dirt sheet social media fans. <clears throat> Certain things don't upset me as much as they upset other people because I think I just, I understand it. I mean, I don't like it, but I understand it. WWE is the powerhouse that they are because of their intellectual property. And they can't own Steiner. They want to create their own intellectual property that they can own and control exclusively exclusively because that's where the value of their company lies. Now you can argue all day long that, well, they could have called him Braun Steiner and nobody's used that word before. And you could probably trademark that. You probably could. And it may or may not hold up eventually. So I get it. I understand why they do it, but it still bugs me. Scarrow, figure it out, figure out a way to do it because it would, because when, when you see Braun walking down to the ring, when he makes his entrance, he looks like his dad. He walks like his dad. His posture is the same as his dad. His gait is the same as his dad. I mean, it's 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 weird how similar those two are. Now, when he gets in the ring, I, I, as much as I love Rick Steiner's work, I think Hassan Braun is a little more explosive throughout the entire match, Rick could be explosive, and Scott obviously was. <clears throat> but Braun takes explosiveness <clears throat> to a different um, level. So it's pretty fun to watch. But, yeah, it's, it's cool shit. No, uh, speaking of cool shit, we have uh, Eddie Torres, who's actually the co-host of the Comedy or Wrestling Podcast, who's actually throwing the gauntlet and giving the invitation to you, Easy e uh, to come down to the Comedy Store for the Comedy Store podcast in Hollywood. So there you go. Hey, next time I'm in L.A., I'll do it. I think I'm going to be in L.A. in May, so hell yeah. There you go, Eddie. There we go. Uh, let's, we'll connect the dots for sure. Um, Fred wants to know, um, are you actually able to go to go back to the WWE? For what? Exactly. I mean, 
I get invited to do things with them all the time, so I guess <clears throat> I haven't pissed too many people off. Had me on TV recently, I guess a couple months ago, so I, I, I think, unless you, unless you know something I don't know, have I been accused of something I'm not aware of? I better get on my social media and see what shit somebody created, because, wow, I guess I got heat with WWE now here. I learned it here. Yeah, no, no, I haven't heard anything, um, you know, but I'm also not a guy with, uh, you know, a newsletter in San Jose. So there's that, you know. Um, now, obviously, you had a lot of uh, talent, right, that came over to the WCW that might have had runs in the WWE, WWF at the time. Um, but going back to, like, the name changing, it seems like Vince and the rest of the crew have, I mean, they've kind of gone wild in terms of changing people's names. We just saw uh, what we knew as Walter on the Indies come to as Gunther in the WWE. Yeah, I, wonder what, I wonder what caused that. Has anybody got any insight? I mean, it had to be a, you know, that was, you don't just do that, you know, for no reason. There has to be a reason behind that. I, I don't know what it is, but it was noticeable. Which, by the way, I mean, it in your position as president of WCW and you're bringing talent in, was it more advantageous for you to keep them kind of unique to what the, we all knew the, the talent before or to change it into that intellectual property where I must own this? Obviously, the exceptions to the rule are, you know, obviously Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, you know, but... Um, for, I mean, Bret Hart coming in, other people coming in, Hulk Hogan coming in. You, you want to keep them whole, those, those, right? Those are all different. Those Each one of those that you mentioned are all unique situations. So, you know, when I brought um, Scott Hall and Kevin Nash back to WCW from WWE, um, there was no way we were going to call Kevin Nash Diesel. That was a clear trademark. There was no way we are going to call Scott Hall <clears throat> Razor Ramon. But... Bret Hart's name is Bret Hart. That's not a trademark. Hulk Hogan actually owned the trademark for Hulk Hogan. He paid a lot of money for it and bought those rights from Marvel. So, of course, if someone like Hulk Hogan, especially somebody like Hogan, as big as he was, owns that trademark, then there's no need to change it. That would be stupid. It's one of the reasons we hired him was because of the value of that mark and, and how we could leverage it. Um, and like I said, Bret Hart didn't require a change because that was his real name. But the Razor I didn't have as good of a grasp on the value of intellectual property back when WCW was really rolling. And I'm going to cover this next Tuesday on uh, Strictly Business uh, over at Ad Free Shows. I'm going to talk a lot about licensing and complexities of it and all that but i didn't have a handle on it you know wcw didn't have a licensing didn't have any licensing revenue when i was hired there in 91 we didn't have it in 92 and 93 and 94 and 95 when we didn't really start getting any interest in our licenses until about 96 so that was that's when i started learning about the value of intellectual property um so i was more inclined to, whenever possible, stay as close to something that the audience already recognized, knowing that in certain cases you have to change it dramatically. Scott Hall, Kevin Nash. Uh, but if there's a way to, kind of like you do with music, you know, like if you want to rip off music, there's a formula that allows you to change a certain number of things. And even though it sounds very similar, it's not exactly the same, so you can't get sued. You kind of do the same thing with, with character names, or I did. And I think that was a mistake on my part. That was uh, an experience on my part. Because if you don't, you, you really do have to understand the value of intellectual property and have a strategy to build on that to build that value and to protect it. No, 1,000%. And, you know, there's a lot of wrestling-oriented podcasts out there, and I believe – one that separates 83 weeks and even further with Strictly Business is your in, in, insight to all of the things that are financial that most people won't understand as just being a fan or what have you. It, to me, it's a masterclass in terms of, you know, 
uh, intellectual property, how to run shows, gates and everything like that. If you're a, you know, a, any, anybody interested at any level on the business side of pro wrestling, ad free shows is where you want to be because strictly business, it's amazing. Yeah. And again, you know, my, my perspective is, you know, I haven't been in that business for a number of years now. So, and things have changed and I know that. So I try to remember that as I'm going into, you know, detail about things like licensing and syndication and ad sales because, you know, again, I've been out of it for a while and I recognize that things have changed. So I keep it within the context of what things were like when I was active in that space, international distribution for wrestling product, products and things like that. Um, but I, you know, I will tell you, not a lot has changed a little bit. There's been some changes, but essentially the business of the business is still the same. It's gotten bigger for sure, but it's still the same. And, and you're right, man. I appreciate you saying that uh, because, you know, I don't have great wrestling stories, right? Thank, thankfully I have this picture someone sent me and I happened to be on one road trip where a bunch of my talent decided to stick their thumbs up their ass because they couldn't pay attention to the directions. And that, I guess, was my attempt at being funny. Um, but I do have a unique perspective. You know, other than Bruce Pritchard, Bruce, especially by the time he's done with his most recent run, because really he is Vince McMahon's right-hand man. Bruce is not just involved with creative. Bruce is involved with a lot of the business of the wrestling business at WWE at the highest levels. So by the time Bruce is done with his WWE run, he will surpass my experience and knowledge when it comes to the business of the wrestling business. But until that time, there's nobody out there that can speak to the complexities or in any kind of depth when it comes to the business of professional wrestling. There are people that can have a better education a better conversation about the quality of a match or the psychology of a match. A lot of people could. There's a lot of people I love hearing them talk about that shit because I know they know more than I do. I'm, I'm not a wrestler. I never was. Um, I, I, it's still magic to me in certain ways. Um, so I love that. But when it comes to the business of the wrestling business, nobody out there doing a podcast can come close to the hands-on experience that I had in all the different facets of the business. You know, JR certainly, uh, and, and talent relations, he can speak much more to talent relations and complexities and experiences and the detail of all that than I can, because that wasn't my only job. Um, but when it comes to the broad spectrum of all of the things that make professional wrestling actually work, so that we continue to see it on TV every week. And nobody can talk about it more than I can or better than I can or with more credibility than I can. And I'm not pat myself on the back. It just is what it is. I agree. I do concur, uh, which that's a nice little segue. You're, you're doing these uh, just uh, Jedi mind tricks you're, you're doing with me, Eric, because uh, Eddie Torres wants to know, can or have people try to trademark finishers in your no. experience? No, I mean, people have talked about it, but it, you have to be very unique. You you have to, one of the terms, and I learned a lot about the term, the legal term, confusingly similar, which is a really broad legal term. And I, I could go off on lawyers right now in the whole system because I think it's just set up to be, it's fucking corrupt is what it is. It's set up so that lawyers make sick amounts of money. And it's a conspiracy amongst all lawyers to work together to suck money out of their clients by being intentionally vague. And then you got to fight over the vagueness of terms and terminology and language. That's what lawyers do, right? They interpret language. Well, if I want to interpret, you know, this is a mouse, right? But if I want to change the definition of a mouse and then challenge Apple on the design of this mouse, because I've got something, I call it something differently, and we get into an argument over what's a mouse, hundreds of thousands of dollars later, some jury's going to go, okay, you win. In the meantime, 
you know, your clients have been fighting over what is a mouse in, in court for I don't know how many years, and lawyers all get fat and happy. But there, I could go off on that. I really could. But here's the issue with finishers. Confusingly similar. I learned everything I wanted to ever know about the term confused, the legal term confusingly similar with Scott Hall and Kevin Nash. And when we got sued, I got sued personally by Jerry McDivitt in WWE. And in depositions, I got an education. I could probably teach law, trademark law, at any junior college in the country. <laughs> Just based on my experience of getting my ass kicked by Jerry McDivitt. Um, you have to be very unique. And it would be really hard to come up with a finisher that isn't a variation of something that existed before it. That's where you get into trouble. Now, you can you can trademark the term for a finisher if you come up with something that's really unique that hasn't been used in the public domain if you come up with something really, really cool and you want to trademark the name of a finisher, but the actual move itself would be almost impossible, in my opinion. Mike Dawkins, the gimmick attorney, could probably answer that better than I can. But that'd be my that that'd be my swing at that answer. I like it. Uh, you mentioned Jerry McDivitt. I, I shot myself. I was he's taking <laughs> he's taking down so many. You talked about you know Bruce Richard being the right hand of Vince, but Fucking McDivitt is, he's gotten Vince away from a lot of shit. So I'm just saying. Yeah, I mean, and he kicked the hell out of WCW. And it pisses me off to this day because one of the things that McDivitt held on to was the toothpick, right? And Scott Hall's curly cue. Kevin Nash wasn't so much of an issue. It was Scott Hall was kind of the focal point of that lawsuit. And if you go back and you look at Scott Hall in WCW before he ever left to go to WWF, he had that same curly cue and a toothpick. And that's one of the things that Jerry McDivitt, you know, just really hammered. And the lawyers at Turner who were so fucking inept, lazy, just all they want to do is write a check and make things go away. That's how, that, 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 was, that was the extent of their acumen as attorneys. They didn't want to fight. That was an easy fight to win. I'm not even an attorney, and that's an easy fight to win. If, if the evidence from Jeremy McDivitt and WWE is, let's go, let's go back. This is, you know, look at, look at Scott Hall. Look at the similarities between Scott Hall and WWE is Razor Ramon with the curly cue and the toothpick. Look at that. That was Razor Ramon, and now he's doing the same thing in WCW. Well, motherfucker, he did the same thing in WCW before he went to WWE to become Razor Ramon. But what did the Turner attorneys do? Hey, how much of a check do we have to write to make this go away? Piss ants. Sorry. I think we got him back. You're powering through this fucking head cold. This is the fucking comeback <laughs> of the year. Fuck that head cold. That's what I say. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, friend... <laughs> is uh, asking the reason why he asked if you were allowed back into the WWE is Vince McMahon fired you on raw a long time ago. And I did not know. Uh, I would like to see you come back managing wrestlers. We need more managers or advocates much like Paul Heyman. Yeah, no, uh, that would never happen. Um, first of all, I, I don't, I don't expect to get that call anytime soon. That, that train has left the station a while ago. And number two, seriously, even if I did, I, I couldn't do it anymore. You know, I, I couldn't, I mean, I'd, I'd be fun to do for a week or two, or maybe even a couple of weeks leading into a pay-per-view, you know, as a temporary thing and then, you know, blow it off in a couple of weeks or a month or two at the most. But that grind, you know, me getting on a, a flight every Sunday morning to fly to raw, sit around all day, do a TV all day, Monday, flying back home on Tuesday, or in the case of SmackDown, leaving on Thursday, working on Friday, coming home Saturday, which in my case would be even worse. Um, that, that's never going to happen. I can't do it. I don't want. I can. I could. I just definitely choose not to. I've, I've. I am so grateful for the opportunities I've had. So grateful. 
I'm grateful to be talking to you right now, Adam. I, I mean, I wouldn't have, I, we wouldn't be sitting here talking about this stuff if I wouldn't have had all those great opportunities, right? No one would care. So I don't want to sound dismissive of any of it. I have grateful tattooed on my wrist. That's how grateful I am. But could I go back and do it again? No. no. Not for any length of time. No, uh, totally understood. Totally understood. Um, we're grateful to have you here. Uh, for you to do this, for you to do 83 weeks, to, for you to talk about uh, after 83 weeks in Strictly Business and do the live shows that you do, we are internally grateful and endeavored because like we began the show with, you know, all of these memories of you know, being linchpins and, and a pivotal moment to a lot of people of a certain generation. That's kind of fucking cool, man. It is cool. It, 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 and again, I, I keep using the term grateful and I, I sound like I'm beating it to death, but how, how many people get that in their lives? You know, how many people have a job or a career where 25 years later, people come up to you and say, thank you for making my childhood so much fun. I mean, come on. What kind of gift is that? That's a really powerful gift. And to hear it over and over and over and over and over again, you know, every time I go out and do a convention or a signing, I hear that same thing. And I, I never get tired of hearing it because it's real. And, Again, it just reminds me, you know, um, I've had jobs that you know, nobody would ever say that to me about. You know, I've had thankless jobs. I've had jobs that didn't really affect people directly. And they were good jobs and they paid the bills, but it's not the same thing. So, yeah. Great. No, I, I love it. I love it. And uh, But speaking of jobs and downloads and grateful, Irvin Alexander says... Now he has to download your character in WWE 2K22, right? All right. Then I can afford that box of matches I need. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know if you, you heard through the tea leaves and what have you, but uh, the NWO version, uh, I think the last week, just became available for download. So you don't have to necessarily buy the physical copy, even though it has like an amazing, amazing artwork to it. But you can just download it, click of a button, there you go, and you have Easy e right on your, your uh, video game system. Well, I'm going to have to give that a try and play myself as a character. I've never done that. That's kind of weird, isn't it? I've been a video game character for, I guess, a while now in various games throughout the years, but I've never, play, I've never played a video game. I would, I'd have to take a lesson. I'd have to go on YouTube and figure out how to do it. But it would be kind of weird to play yourself as a character. No, hundred percent. I, I mean, I've I've actually played as you. Uh, just so you know, in my WWE two K twenty two, you are actually Universal Champion. So just so you know. Okay, I can add that to my list: Hardcore Champion, Universal Champion, one just virtual, saying. one one a gimmick. But that's okay. I'm just saying, if uh, Matt Cardona is running around with the Internet Championship, I think it's all legit. I'm just saying. I'm just. I saying. like it. Uh, Fred says we love you in Jacksonville, Florida. Easy E. Hey, Fred. I love you too, brother. Yes. Now, uh, in terms of, you know, the, the video game space, right? Um, how cool was it to hear that somebody was interested? To, to me, I, I think everybody. To me, it was a no-brainer to have your you license in a WWE 2K game. It hadn't happened for almost 10 years up to the point. So when you got the call, the email, or what have you, uh, what was your reaction? Uh, you know, I was excited. It's, look, anytime... I know I'm going to sound like I'm just putting WWE over, but look at the Peacock Network. One of the other reasons that this is working as well as it is, 83 weeks, the conventions I do, and, you know, the live shows that we do from free shows, a lot of that has to do with Peacock. Because that, you know, Nitro and... It's still out there. I mean, I have people that come up to me for autographs that are like 12 years old. I go, Wait a minute, dude. Your parents weren't even legal 25 years ago. What are you coming to me for an autograph for? You don't know anything about this stuff. But they do because they're watching it on Peacock. Um, same thing with a video game. It keeps you relevant. It keeps you to a degree in the forefront of people's minds when it comes to 
this business. So to be included is like, oh, okay, there's another breath of fresh air. I may be able to squeeze another couple of years out of this, you know. Uh, and the same thing with doing things on WWE TV. I've done a five WWE specials over the last couple months. Um, I did one for Netflix. Um, that's going to be really big. Um, I was asked to do the Paul Heyman any special at WrestleMania, but I just didn't have the time. I couldn't squeeze it in. Just a matter of mashing up schedules. And Paul was obviously very busy as well. So I just could I couldn't make that work. But every time I do one of those, you know, part of it is look, I'm, you know, just like everybody else, I I, I dig the money um and need it too. I'm not independently wealthy. So I work for a living just like everybody else does. And I and I appreciate that opportunity, but what I appreciate a ton more is the fact that still out there people still give a damn you know want to hear what i have to say i guess and as long as that continues to exist i will continue to take advantage of those opportunities because number one it's fun and number two it keeps me doing things like this no 100 percent. and uh Irvin also says the wcw games on nintendo 64 are classic uh there was a downloadable i think that might have been your first appearance in a video game uh because there was a cheat code that you could get uh that unlocked easy e so just saying no i don't i wouldn't i've never played n64 or any other game isn't that interesting never played a game i wouldn't know how I, I wouldn't. I would. I, I would lose my shit if I had to sit down and figure out how to play a video game. Now, once I got into it, I might dig it. Yeah. You know what I want to do, Adam? I really, really hope. I'm hoping this stuff comes out. Maybe it's already out. And I just don't know about it because I'm not in that world. But with Oculus, you know, and virtual reality, I want to learn. I, I want to experience learning how to fly like a Learjet or a 747 in virtual reality. That would be badass. Now, if that's out there already and I don't know about it, please hit me up right there at E. Bischoff. Tell me where to find this stuff because that would be cool as shit. I love flying. I love being a pilot. I don't do it anymore. I miss it. But from the few times I've experienced virtual reality in an Oculus, it was like, whoa, this is like, you really feel like you're there. It's crazy how much you feel like you're there. Um, so hopefully that that's out there somewhere and I can experience that. No, I prepared for your DMs to be flooded with amazing aviation shit because it's out there. It's out there. My, oh, wow. Yeah. Great. So. My wife's going to be thrilled. I'm going to go out and spend $500 on a bunch of oculus gimmicks and yeah i'm gonna lock myself in a room for 10 12 hours at a time and fly myself around the world trying to land a 747 in beijing <laughs> i mean yes um i mean i i kind of have to bow out because uh I, my son gave me his to try and i felt like cousin eddie and i i think i pissed a little bit in my leg and i got dizzy so i'm just saying maybe i'm i'm old i, I feel like i'm old i'm just saying well i can't wait to try it <laughs> That'll be fun. I've been, I've been thinking about it a lot, you know, because I, I read about it. You know, about four years ago, a guy came to me, a very, very hugely successful producer in Hollywood came to me, called me and said, hey, I've got this idea I'm thinking about doing, and you'd be perfect for it. Can we talk? So I flew out and I met him. And he was already doing uh, virtual reality I'm going to call them, I'm going to call it tour. It was, they were recruiting videos. That's what they were. And he did it with a couple different colleges. Like uh, he did it with the Oklahoma football team, Sooners football team, where he went in and shot in virtual reality. He would literally walk you through the campus, you know, through the training facility, out onto the field during a practice you know, right, right up on the line, you know, in a scrimmage. And I was like, whoa, (laughs) it was crazy. You know, after, uh, I don't know, maybe half a minute or a minute, I forgot that I was 
wearing goggles and I thought I was there. So if you can get that same experience in the cockpit of a plane and you can actually fly it like with real controls or responsive controls, obviously not real, but like um, pilot training software, there's some amazing pilot training software out there um, that is so responsive and just like the cockpit of a real plane. But if they can merge those two things, so you're not just sitting there going for a ride, but you're actually able to manipulate the controls in a legitimate way, just like, and the plane would react just like that type of airplane would react to those specific control inputs, that would be a blast. Okay, we're going to make it happen. We're going to make it happen, I feel. Um, speaking of things that make are, are made happening, a lot of chatter about one MJF of AEW. <laughs> Uh, Fred wants to get your opinion of that guy, especially, I mean, you guys have been in the tr Twitter mentions uh, in recent times, so your opinion of a AEW's MJF. I can't say enough good things about him. I mean, is there anybody in the industry on a mic that is as close to the level of talent that MJF is? I think not. I, I mean, this guy's improving. He's in his head. And I just think he's magic on the mic. I don't know what else to say. Agreed. He reminds me, you know, a bit of Paul... Uh, Bobby Heenan, you know, uh, all the best parts that I remember about Paul, Bobby Heenan and listening to his commentary, especially years after, uh, the, the ability to ab lib, you know, shoot on the fly. Uh, he's amazing. And 24 he's, uh, like, years old. 24, exactly. Future's bright. He's just, he's, and he's just beginning and he's getting better every single week. So, yeah, Bobby Heenan was fantastic when Bobby Heenan was in his 40s and 50s. Bobby Heenan had decades to work on his shtick. You know, and I'm not taking anything away from Bobby. Bobby was the best of the best of the best. But MTF, that's I'm, I'm really what I'm saying is that Bobby Heenan was so phenomenal that MJF at 24 years old to be even talked about in the same conversation, that says everything you need to say right there. Agreed. Now, I, I can't let you go without asking you about your opinion, and not so much the outcome of Night 2 of Mania, because that pitted Brock Lesnar against Roman Reigns. They each are essentially world champions of a show, theoretically, and with the belts looking the same. You know, um, the fact that the belts look the same, do you think it's time for unification? Oh, I don't know. I don't think about that kind of thing much. You know, as you describe it to me, the fact that the belts look the same is weird. That is weird. One's one color, one's the other color. I guess that's significant in the minds of some. But if you really want to, and I've, look, I've said this, I've been saying this for a long time. They haven't figured out how to make the brand split work. They just haven't. And, and and maybe it's impossible. I don't know. Um, but at least try to create a differentiation between one and the other. Yes, I know. One's red, one's blue. I get it. But aside from the names on the roster and the fact that one's red and one's blue, all of the other elements of each show is so similar that it doesn't feel like you're watching two separate brands. <clears throat> and maybe that doesn't matter anymore. Maybe there's no use in even trying. Maybe that's why the belts look the same. Maybe after all these years, WWE finally said, you know what? We're not going to be able to figure out a way to really make this work and to truly create the vibe, the feel of two different brands so you can really truly create an intercompany rivalry. Maybe they just thrown in the towel. And if they have, so be it. I'm still going to support it. But if they haven't thrown in the towel, Come on, guys. At least try. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, do you have a favorite belt design? No. 
I, well, yeah. I like belts that look like belts, not like hubcaps. I like belts. I like the big gold belt. I like, I like a big, proud, intricate, not glitzy, not blingy. Not something that will catch your eye at Target, but something that looks like a world champion would proudly wear. Just me. I'm old. Fuck. What do I know? That's one of the reasons you and I are friends. Same thing. Well, I, I don't want it to look like a steampunk whatever or a rapper's you know insignia on the top of his car or whatever, something from Pimp My Ride. No, I want I want something to be fitting of a world champion, you know. But but, but here's now here's the other side of that coin. And this is why I struggle. I also understand the business side of it. The business side dictates that it does look like some hip hop star, rapper star, you know, gold chain. It does need to look like it needs to look very, very commercial and not like the things that you and I like. Because you and I like the history of it all and the, the legacy. And, well, you know, that's not what's selling. So WWE is a publicly held corporation. It's incumbent upon them to do the things and make the decisions and the choices and go in the direction that they that the market goes in. And if the market is leaning in that direction, and you're going to make more money selling those replica belts than you are selling the kind that Eric and Adam like, then guess what? Market dictates. Market wins. Money talks. Old fuckers walk. It's the way it works. <laughs> yeah, but I don't know. I, I want you to, uh, I don't know, be in charge of the belt making. I, uh, that's what I'm saying. Just... I'm just saying. But uh, Eric, thank you. Thank you so much for doing this. This is tremendous. Uh, I've linked everything in the description below for everyone is watching it. But uh, E. Bischoff, is your socials? Yep. It's the only place to find me. Or you can find me on Instagram at the real Eric Bischoff. Absolutely. And also check out Strictly Business on ad free shows, one of the newest additions to a growing lineup. And uh, again, this is a masterclass. You don't have to, you know, I mean, sure, go to business, uh, college, and what have you. But <laughs> if you want nuanced uh, information from somebody who's been there and done that, Strictly Business is where you want to be. Thank you, brother. I appreciate it, man. It's always fun to do this show with you. We try to get next month, we'll do it again. Hell yes. And uh, Fred says, uh, thank you both for answering my questions. Love y'all. Love you too, Fred. Love all of you guys in the chat. Uh, and if you haven't already done so, go ahead and like, share, and subscribe to the According to Woods podcast on Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, and Twitter. It's also powered by Bodyslam.net. I mean, Eric, you like the podcast, don't you? Yeah, I love it. Fuck yeah. So go ahead and be like Eric Bischoff. Go ahead and subscribe. And if you don't believe me, we're Easy E, and I don't know why you wouldn't. Well, here's Zeta Zang to help convince you. Hey, this is Zeta Zang. Make sure you subscribe to According